You gotta imagine that Wookiees are vigorous lovers, right? Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars toys began. And Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's Kivecast. Presents Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird place! A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Stephen B. Dent. B-Wing fighters and B-Wing pilot action, B-Wing pilot action, B-Wing pilot action, B-Wing pilot action. action. Market data mined by Brisbane, Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fantastic Pete. Tech support by the Lobe. This month's podcast is part one of our Leia Hoth megacast, which Sky has split into two. We have Ron on to talk about new updates. We have some crazy, politically incorrect Sky thoughts. Steve reveals himself as an animal abuser. And we have a new feature from NPR's Skyra Glass, This Vintage Life, with a story you won't believe. Wampa Wampa! Welcome to Kivecast number 52. Number 52. Steve, I'm starting to think maybe we should just drop the whole month thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's why, I, if you've noticed, I've stopped saying the month. I just go for numbers because it kind of frees us up a little bit. <laughs> like maybe like loosely affiliated with the month of May. I think that yeah. might be yeah, yeah. the same. Because <laughs> I think we're still going to keep it basically monthly. It's, you'd, yeah. think, you'd think that it's easier to record it in the summer for a professor... But for some reason, it's just, it never is for me. Nah, it's, uh, I think that's, that's life. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to have a, a really good show. A huge roundtable with, uh, hopefully with Joe, Ron, and Matthias. Um, and, uh, Steve, I, I've, I have, uh, good personal news. Uh, that's good. What's that? I'm basically done with my divorce. Hey, that's, that's gotta feel good, man. That's, that's awesome. And the good news for the show is that it's still going to exist. (laughs) Uh, you may not, you may not have known this, but I was pretty close to having to pay for the entire collection over again. And I don't know if I would have been able to, that would have been a really painful, horrible thing. Uh, and so that would have basically forced me to sell my collection, which then would have made it difficult. I mean, I probably would have kept going with the show, but it would have been a very different show. It would have been Sky angrily buys stuff and says, that was cheaper when I bought it the first time. <laughs> so, uh... Man, I'm glad we, uh, we avoided that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the house, uh, so, you know, I, I get to stay. I'm actually very excited. I, I was getting ready to redecorate, and I found my Rust Never Sleeps poster, Steve. <laughs> The, the one with the Jawas on it that we've talked that's about awesome. like five yeah, times yeah. on the show. I didn't realize I yeah. actually had one. I bought oh, it at Amoeba Records in L.A., which you know well. It's right around the corner, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm actually probably going to go out to California this summer, so maybe we'll have a have an in-person show, too. Oh, that'd be cool. Good deal. So, yeah, yeah, lots of good stuff going on there. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, also I'm teaching an online class now. Oh, that's got to be... It was weird being an online student. How is it, like, being on the other end of that? It's it's weird. I'm, like, trying... Like, I realized the podcast helped me do it. Yeah, Because yeah. I just talk like I'm talking to people who want to hear me, who want to listen to me. Right. Um, I can do that imaginary audience thing, thanks to the... But it's it's got a video component, so it videos yeah. me the entire time I talk. Okay. Um, 
so I'm like moving my hands more and I, I made two puppets for the show. Um, I called <laughs> the show. Taking advantage of the medium, yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of the puppets is the Uki fish from uh, episode one, which is, as you may wait. know, my favorite Star Wars toy. Oh, okay. Wait, is that the uh, is that the orange one? Yeah, it's the orange fish that snaps. Oh, yeah. oh, that's that, right. We we have mentioned that thing before. <laughs> yeah. Well, because Steve Sansweet didn't even really know what it was. Right. Because right. he has so many toys. Yeah. I'm like, you never checked out the snapping mechanism on this. He's like, oh yeah, that's nice. Well designed. <laughs> yeah, well designed. But I know that we have the rest of our panel waiting, so what yes. we'll do is we'll kind of burn through our, our opening here, our structured okay. opening, and then have a pretty, I think a pretty nice loosey-goosey show. Um, wait, did I say loosey-goosey like last time, too? I don't think it was last time. We've definitely used that adjective to de- describe a roundtable before, but I think it, it's okay. What word could we use that's better than loosey-goosey? Like uh, <laughs> Gargan Largan? <laughs> Free flowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did, did you ever think Gargan was hot? No. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, me neither. Sure. Yeah. That's you definitely sure? what I was saying too. Um, oh man, I just remembered something. I got. I got to say to Ron when he comes on the show. Okay, great. Um, so, figure thoughts, character thoughts. Um, yeah. So we got Leia Hoff this month. This is my. F- First aborted side focus. Ooh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so you know, okay. there's there's everyone who has a focus usually has to have a side focus because there's just not enough stuff to buy. Right. And uh, yeah, I was like, I like Leia Hoth. She's hot, and it doesn't seem like a lot of people collect her. So I bought a couple things. I bought like a nice Canadian, um, and then uh, I don't know. I just sold it to my buddy Dean. <laughs> and then he sold it for more and that was pretty much that so I've always liked the figure a lot um, actually my haiku says a little bit of, of what I think about it alright yeah let's, uh, let's do go for it some, do you have some, should we go straight to this haiku no that's, that sounds good man let's go for it okay here's my thought about the figure it's, it's profound and it's stupid <laughs> no playset have I nor tauntaun nor snowship ride but I've got big ears. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that seems silly, but really, out of all the figures, you, there's nothing to really do with Leia Hoth. Yeah, I guess that's you could true. play around. I guess she's a part of the Hoth playset. Yeah. She doesn't ride a Tauntaun. She doesn't ride the Snowspeeder. She's not an ATAT. Like, out of the whole Hoth thing, she basically just sits there and She talks, directs. And she directs. directs. Yeah. yeah. Listens. So that's right. It. And the figure does happen to have very big ears. <laughs> um, and then, of course, as you know, I'm, I'm in love with Leia Hoth. Yes, um, yeah. Not Leia in general, right? Not Carrie Fisher. Right, just Leia Hoth. Yeah. Just that five minutes of movies. So uh, this is my love, my love poem to her beauty. Northern and quilted, snowing cold princess of ice... Rhapsody in white. <laughs> Man, there is a lot of love there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good uh, stuff. <laughs> those are my sky coos. I'm not burning through them too fast, am I? No, no. I, that, that was, I think that was uh, appropriately paced. <laughs> um, uh, cool. So wait, I'm, I'm curious. As far as the side focus thing goes, was this pre-emperor or was it post-emperor? Or? 
Oh. I know you, you, got, you went for the Emperor stuff, too, in addition to, to Chewie. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess it was my first aborted side focus, but okay. my second side focus. Okay, got it. Because I had Leia Hoth, and then after that I picked up the Empire Strikes Back 21 backs, um, and then I tried Black Bespin Guard for a while. Yeah. Um, by the end I of the I remember episode, that, yeah. yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Now that I actually yeah. have some concept... Because with a divorce, it's like you don't know what you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, so basically, I just lost a lot of money, which stinks. So, but that's a lot better than losing time with your kids or losing your house or your job or yeah, that's um, for sure. Your mind. So I have my mind. I have less money, but uh, that's the great thing, Steve. I found a way to be in the hobby that doesn't without cost anything. The, yeah, this is uh, we we said it like many times before. We're kind of collecting without having to pay anything <laughs> yeah uh, hopefully but, that's going to change I plan on making yeah. at least one big purchase this year awesome uh, it's funny I just remembered like as far as the Leia Hoth figure I realized like when I really started collecting again that my loose Leia Hoth from that I bought at either a yard sale or a comic shop actually had a Leia Bespin head on it there <laughs> was uh-huh. just I think someone glued to it I'm like wait a minute what the hell I looked at it and I found a Leia Hoth and I realized I didn't even have the real thing the whole time <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think I still got that thing somewhere. I'll see if I can dig it up. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. Um, let's see. What do we got next? Well, does Steve want to flip the script? Yeah, we can do that. Right, did you uh, get the, the image that I sent you? Uh, I did. I got the image. I didn't okay. look at it. Was I supposed to look at it? Well, it, it kind of helps. You don't really need it, but it just kind of illustrates the kind of stuff I've been looking at for, for the segment, which is kind of fun. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. I'll, I'll look, and I'll try and put it on the enhanced version, although okay. I still don't know how to get the enhanced version to work on my own phone. <laughs> but, uh... uh small kinks. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, uh, to, to kind of put it in the, the framework here... It's that scene where the famous line, you know, I just assumed kiss a Wookiee comes about. And that, that line is handwritten by Kaz on the page. But rather than just saying, you know, in response, I can arrange that, Han <laughs> kind of goes on to give this whole little speech uh, about Leia's coldness, which I found really kind of funny. Um, so he responds, uh, there's just no accounting for taste. Too bad. You could use a good kiss. So, so there's that. <laughs> All you let yourself think about is the rebellion. The result is that you're cold as this planet. <laughs> and then Leia goes on to say, you know, I found it. Yeah, do you want me okay. to read this, Leia? Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> and you think you're the one to apply some heat? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and what's great, uh, this is like uh, the, the best part of this to me is like, so he has a little description of. You know, he takes a step and blah, blah, blah. They have their little confrontation. And she's surprised but, but excited that he grabs her or whatever. And then the only thing that could come between them now would be an, oh, was it? an unexpected wampa arm. So this is like in that stage oh, where they had that whole scene like still in the movie. So it's just a funny, funnily written like piece of, of uh, narration there. But uh, anyway, uh, that was uh, a way of hawk when I've kind of been keeping in my back pocket for a while. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, do, I definitely, yeah, I just assumed kiss a Wookiee, which, first of all, I mean, you gotta imagine that Wookiees are vigorous lovers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, 
You could do worse. I mean, I just assumed Kiss and Dianoga. I mean, that's oh, man. that's something gross. But a, a Wookiee, you know, strong, tall, you know, old and wise. A little furry, but, you know. Okay, a little furry. But, but what, you know. Out of all the aliens, I mean, I just assumed Kiss one of those cantina alien dudes. Right, or like a hut, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean really, you could do a lot, lot worse than a Wookiee. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe true. they just did that because they figured that people didn't know the names of the other planets. Like, they couldn't be like, I just assumed Kiss and Duros, I'm leaving. But that's not <laughs> yeah. true, because they... See, just wait for the, you know, the 2016 release that George tries to put out. Right. <laughs> it'll, it'll have some, some uh, just to give context. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, just another side note, like, the, the image, this comes from an online exhibit of the place I used to work, and there's more pages like this. If you go to the, the Writers Guild Foundation's website, there's there's some awesome stuff in there. So I gotta All give right. them a, a plug as, the as a source. <laughs> WGFoundation.org WGFoundation.org Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I definitely, I, I am curious, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for episode 7 and I'm ramping up my hatred of Harrison Ford. I know, see, I'm figuring you have to now, because... <laughs> but, that being said, there is one thing that I think Harrison Ford does better than most people, which is deliver, like, just one-word responses, which <laughs> which I think is, like, what makes Kiefer Sutherland so good on 24s. He can say, oh, yeah, yeah, 37 different modalities. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious to see, with Leia saying, and you think you're the one who can apply some heat... And having Han say "sure," like I do yeah, wonder yeah. How, how would many, yeah, Harrison exactly. Ford read "sure," and yeah. you go like "sure" or "sure," yeah, um, <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Wow, see, that's great. I'm glad I didn't read it ahead of time. Yeah, um, that, that well, you got you got the context. So yeah. there you go. I got the context. Um, so this is going to be interesting. This call, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's, it's multi pronged. Um, there's a lot of things. We got a call, Joker Savage. Who right. I still think is just an alias of the Joker. Um, <laughs> you just Joker Savage, like okay. Uh, and then, so we've never called him before, so I don't. No. Have his, I don't have his phone number either. Did uh, he ever send you his phone number? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. We had emailed him a little while ago to see if. Okay. Oh, that's Ron. Okay, uh, we got to call Ron, and Ron's always good. Except he yep. apparently likes to fall asleep before and immediately after the show. So he may be a bit <laughs> sleepy time on. Even though he always brings arguably the best content on the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, he, he naps just at the right time, wakes up, delivers, yeah. and, and goes right back to, to sleep mode. And then we're going to be talking to Matthias, who's apparently, it's going to be 3 o'clock in the morning. He's saying he's going to be uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll see. If he doesn't. If he doesn't make it, I'll just impersonate him for the rest of the show. Yeah, I think you could you could swing that if, if it you know comes to it. <laughs> All right, see, well, that, that was a good little warm up. I do think it's a little bit uh, got a little bit of fire under us, so it's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and right. I will uh, give them a call then. All right, sounds good. All right, so. <laughs> oh, Digby. Oh, Digby. I, I'm I'm apologizing in advance. He's been a, a real. Sh- Lately, so we'll see what we can do. We've got two walls and a and a gate now blocking me <laughs> from Digby's. <laughs> well, see, usually I am still recording. I, I may actually just leave that in and bleep it out. <laughs> people, <laughs> people don't believe you can get angry, but I don't know. 
Oh man, if you ever see me, it's like Homer Simpson and, and Bart. You know, <laughs> that's that's my You're sometimes you, relationship you, with the. <laughs> you physically abuse your dog. <laughs> Wow, Steve, your popularity <laughs> ratings are going way down. Like the no, little it's... dials they have when, when you watch TV. Like, ooh, I don't like this character at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, now I'm going to call. Sweet. Take a seat at the board with the Space Chess Roundtable here on the Vintage Pod. It is a silly place. I see your point, sir. Available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, hey, Joe, this is the Kivecast. We we're going to talk about uh, Leia Hoff, but uh, give us a call back. Uh, or just let us know you're there. <laughs> okay. Uh, wait, how do I hang up on just him? I'm going to hang up on just him. <laughs> okay, how's it going, Ron? All right, how are you? Pretty good. Um, let's see, Matthias didn't wake up, and I don't know where where, uh, where Joe is. <laughs> Matthias didn't wake up. See, I knew I shouldn't have told him to get drunk before coming on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, He's probably on the Oogla train. <laughs> yeah, Oogla train! Uh, I, I did say, if he doesn't come on, I'll just do a full-on uh, Matthias impersonation the whole time. <laughs> uh, you could probably pull it off. I can yeah. imagine that. It's, it's not hard. Uh, um, You're starting to get into a little bit Bane, Bane territory. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> tough. I just, yeah, it's hard not to do that. Um, well, I guess, you know, I got Ron on here. I think I'm actually still recording, even though I meant to have a less official uh, hello to Ron, but hello to Ron. <laughs> hello, guys. What's up? Uh, we're happy to, happy to have you. Our, our table's not really round. It's kind of a triangle right now. That's all right. I mean, we can uh, make do with what we've got until the other guys figure it out, I guess, or don't figure it out. Exactly. It's it's a pointy table. I, I wanted to start, Ron and Steve, and I wanted to have Matthias on here, too, just as a general point in my disappointment with Star Wars media. Are you guys ready? <laughs> okay. Have you noticed the way people have been talking about the casting for Episode Seven? Every single time I've heard anyone talk about Max von Sydow, they go, oh, yeah, he was in Flash Gordon and a, a, and a James Bond movie. Yeah, that's cool. He's like Alec Guinness. Yeah, forgetting about, you know, all the Bergman stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's like... One I of think the, he's I actually mean, on the Swedish flag, so that's probably something yeah. that he should comment on. I mean, the seven, you know, like... He's in some of the most important, I mean, definitely the most important movies in Swedish history. We'll talk about that if uh, Matthias ever wakes up. Yeah. Um, but it's just so funny that, like, we, we just can't get out of this mindset. Like, Flash Gordon, that's what we should remember him for. Yeah, well, you know, Star Wars fans. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty so that, much familiar with, uh, you know, mainstream American stuff. So, And he's been in some mainstream movies, so I guess that's what they remember him for. But then my disappointment goes even further. Because out of all the dumb movies that he's made that weren't made by Ingmar Bergman, he was in Strange Brew. I haven't heard anyone mention that. <laughs> you got to be the first. <laughs> well, thank you. Because it also features my favorite early Star Wars reference in another movie, which we've already referenced on this show, which is uh, <laughs> The Power of the Force Compels You, you knob. Hey, Rosie. Are you okay? 
Are you okay, Hoser? I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He saw Jedi 17 times, eh? Power of the force, Docky, you hosers. <laughs> they get dressed yes, up. He was indeed in that. Yeah, you guys yeah. have seen Strange Brew, right? No. Yeah. Steve, you've seen it, right? No, I haven't, man. I oh. need to see it. I've seen it, but it was a long time ago. Oh, that was that was in constant rotation. It's kind of funny that uh, what's her name, Pranilla Auguste, was in. Wasn't that her name? Yeah, Anakin's mother was in uh, Episode One. She was a Bergman alum, and now you have Max von Sydow. Right. I don't know why we keep getting these uh, art house Swedish actors in Star <laughs> Wars, but I guess why not? And that's the other thing I've, I haven't heard anyone else mention is that connection. They just say that he's like he's like Peter Cushing. Which right. is not, I mean, yeah, he's old, but sure. Peter, Peter Cushing <laughs> and Christopher Lee are great B actors, right? I mean, they're not. Yeah, I mean, definitely movie wise. I'm not sure what the stage history, if any of, this, of yeah. those guys is, but I mean, they're definitely known for those Hammer horror films. But I guess because like they have British accents, like Americans think that they're like Shakespearean actors, right? <laughs> <And> like <laughs> you know, Dracula and uh, what's his name, Von Helsing, right? Yeah, it would be like if uh, I don't know, like Jeff Fahey and like Steve Gutenberg were like eighty. Everyone's like, "Oh man, it's the same thing as Anthony Hopkins." Just the same thing, anyway. Yeah, I just yeah. made a Jeff Fahey reference. That is the deepest <laughs> film reference. <laughs> wow, we yeah, are really. You're supposed to be the guy who's all excited for episode whatever the hell it is. Episode seven? Is that I, what it is? I am. No, actually, they're calling it episode Anaheim. It's very confusing. <laughs> episode um, Anaheim. Sorry, that's the best joke I've ever... I just came up with that. Because they, they're not calling it Celebration 7, they're calling it Celebration Anaheim. Oh. So I think gotcha. we should call Episode 7, Episode Anaheim. <laughs> Steve, are you down? All right, man. We could, we could roll with that. <laughs> I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually on the principles of metonymy. Okay, well, that was a great show, guys. Uh, see you back <laughs> for 53. Um, yeah, well, let's see. I guess... Um, we can, we can kind of shuffle the order a bit and see if we can get these guys the, uh, back in. Yeah. The news or whatever, or I don't yeah. know. That, that sounds good. You got um, a lot of interesting notes from your, your New England get-together. I'm sure both of you understand because you're both there, but for me, it's just kind of like I'm, I'm piecing it together in my mind is what I think it might mean. But <laughs> Plus, you guys visited me, too, since the last time. So I've seen you right. two times. Yeah. Very amazing. That's pretty wicked. Well, yeah let's let's talk about the let's talk about the the New England get together. So, Ron, you you went to you went to that as well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was there. I was definitely there. Although I got stuck in some major traffic on the way, which was very frustrating, but I made it eventually. And and so this is a, a meeting at Micro Rob's house. Um, I don't know if he actually has uh, if Micro is his first name. Yeah. Do you know what's funny? Yeah, I knew him before he was called Micro Rob, so it's Rob Amentea. Okay, so that's how you I'm not exactly sure how you're supposed to pronounce it, but Amentea, I guess, is... Uh, you know, we could have done a really sweet custom with the manatee thing. <laughs> we could have made it like a micro box with Rob Amentea. Uh, that might be a little bit obscure, but you like the obscure stuff, so yeah. why not? Uh, whenever you guys hear, you know, there's that TV guy who did Dirty Jobs or whatever. Oh yeah, and his Mike, name is Mike Rowe. Mike, Mike Rowe. And, yeah. I, and I always think of Micro Rob whenever I think of Micro. 
Micro Rob is definitely, he's earned the uh, nickname because he has quite an impressive micro collection. It was pretty awesome. I hadn't been to his house in a while. Yeah. And uh, I've known him forever. But I haven't been to his house in a while, and it was cool to see some of the stuff he's gotten that I didn't know about. Now, when's the last time you went there, Ron? Oh, jeez. I bet it's like eight years ago. A while. Wow. So that was like a similar kind of event? Probably. I mean, we used to have kind of a... He's been good at keeping up with like New England collectors, whatever he calls it. And we started that like years ago in the 90s, and I just kind of became a bum and stopped going. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it stopped, kind of stopped in general, and then no one was going, but then it's, I guess in the last couple of years, he's picked it up again. But I hadn't been to one since this time. Right. So, Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it, the cool thing was that we recorded it, we recorded last show one week before it, you know, and, and we released it. And the cool thing was, like, in the show, we said, hey, do it, you know, come out to the show, mm-hmm. and this is an example of an open event, and everyone grumbles about feeling left out, no one has to be left out, and there was, like, a couple people who came up and said, hey, we went there because of the show, did you know that, Steve? No, that's that's awesome. Yeah. There was actually a couple people who were like, hey, I've heard your name on the podcast. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've been on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was Mike. Um no, not Mike Ritter, although Mike Ritter did show up, of course. There was more than two Star Wars people in the same room. Um, but uh, he uh, he was sort of there, and he was talking, and um, I think he was the same guy. I wound up finally getting to talk to someone about uh, the Smiths, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah, there was a few cool people I met there who I wouldn't mind hanging out with again, but I'm like so bad with names that I've already forgotten the names. It's just like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, but... If those guys are listening, it was definitely cool to meet them, and uh, hopefully again sometime uh, get together. You know, well, I know well, at least one or two of them. I mentioned that they should give me a ring if they're ever in the area. Yeah, well, I can tell you, Steve, that I finally yeah. got to meet uh, the the famous Adam, who's in our hockey and now baseball league. Oh yeah. Yep, and uh, you know he's he's. Uh, you know, just a really nice guy, and uh, he's, like, from Dorchester, which is, you know, I used to have tabla lessons in Dorchester. I used to play tabla. <laughs> um, so that was cool. You know, like, that's what those what I love about those events. I don't know if you feel similar, but, like, yeah, we talked about Star Wars, but I wound up talking about the Smiths. I wound up talking about uh, the Bruins losing in the hockey thing. I wound up talking to Ron about movies. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it definitely kind of like spreads out in a totally different. You know, it's not Star Wars is just a fraction of what ends up being talked about most of the time. Right, and then yeah, that's man, how you, it was good. That's how you sort of know people. Um, you sort of know them through that. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt. I mean, the social aspect of the hobbies. Well, you no, know, everyone always says it, but it's worth repeating. You know, that's one of the best things about it, you know, to, to meet people and hang out and, you know, make friends and stuff like that, you know, even though no one really bought or sold anything that I saw, people were still having a good time. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I see the picture, you know, I'll, we'll put a picture up of everybody there, and it's just a good example of the kind of thing we can just all get together and do. Um, I sort of had this list of notes that he yeah. was making reference to, Um <laughs> So I, I stayed with uh, with friend of the show and friend of mine, uh, Tom Quinn, who you met, Ron. He was one of those guys whose names you've yeah. forgotten, but you'd like to hang out with again. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he was like, 
I stayed at his house, and I just had a lot of Star Wars thoughts there. And then I went to Rob's house, and I had a lot of Star Wars thoughts there. So I just got tons of Star Wars thoughts. Um, <laughs> and the good thing is I have a podcast, so everyone has to listen to me. Yep. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Well, what, what are some of them? Um, <laughs> well, the first one is the steamed hamburgers, so yes. I'm assuming that's what you ate. <laughs> yeah, apparently the town that Michael Rob is from is famous for eating sta- steamed hamburgers. Okay. <laughs> Which is particularly great if you love The Simpsons, and there's a whole line where steamed hams. <laughs> it's a whole oh, thing. Yeah. I'll try to put that in. Yes. Mmm, steamed clams. You call hamburgers steamed hams. Yes. You call hamburgers steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. I thought we were having steamed clams. That's what I call hamburgers. You call hamburgers steamed hams. Yes, and you call them steamed hams, despite the fact they are obviously grilled. Seymour! And the show, and the show sound. Um, and we all got together and ate those, and that was at the end of the whole meeting. And, you know, that was, it, it was about looking at unproduced uh, micro sculpts and stuff like that, but it yeah. was also about eating steamed hamburgers with friends. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. That's always a plus. Steamed hamburgers on top of anything, really, is, you know, a bonus. <laughs> And then he's cool because he's actually a little bit like like Ron in that way too, where he has a lot of, uh, I guess, a little bit more like Chris Jorgulius, uh, a lot of paperwork about mm-hmm. the past, like about past auctions, about uh, where things were sold, where things were bought. Um, yeah. Do you have a lot of things like that, Ron? Do you save like a lot of old auctions? Um, stuff like you're talking about. I mean, some, but not not anything like Chris has. Chris definitely has always, you know, gone out of his way to save all that stuff. Right. Which is great because, I mean, who else would have, what would be your source of that if you didn't have someone like that saving it? I mean, one of the first things, um, I mean, when I first started to know Chris, like he had, I think I was probably the first person he ever sent copies of his toy shop Bible to, which he made it like work. And right. it was just like awesome. And I was like, holy cow, I can't believe you saved all these things, you know. And I still have them, all these photocopies he mailed me. I think I still have the folder he sent them in and everything. So. Well, it was, it was cool because Rob had just some stuff from Toy Shop 2. Uh, I hadn't seen the auction for the Star Tots, or I hadn't noticed it. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense that it was there. Um, but with the minimum bid of $1,000 each, I thought that was pretty cool. You're talking uh, about the wax ones in Toy Shop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Uh-huh. I remember that ad well, a legendary ad. And now, do you, do you remember actually seeing it when it came out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually, speaking of Micro Rob, I think maybe one of the first things we ever talked about was when, you know, jeez, oh, I can't remember how I first met Rob, but he called me or I called him, and this is in the 90s, and I don't even think he was really online at that time, and we, we were talking about micro stuff, and he was probably the first guy I ever met who was into micro stuff, and that ad, in addition, of, in addition to the StarTot stuff, has a bunch of micro sculpts. And, you know, he was just all talking about, oh, man, it blew my mind, all these sculpts in there. And, you know, he had, wasn't around at that point or didn't, you know, didn't have the cash or something, so he hadn't won any of them, but he was kind of interested in hunting them down. Wow. And, uh, so that just ties into the whole micro rob thing. It's one of the first things we ever spoke about. But, right. yeah, I definitely remember seeing that ad and being like, at that point, I wasn't in the market for anything like that because the prices for that time were huge. I mean, now right. it doesn't seem like that much, but back then, 
none of those things sold, by the way. Not a single one. Really? So, oh. so then that, there was like a, because we're on Leia Hoth, there was a Leia Hoth micro uh, mold that, uh, I mean sculpt, that was uh, 1.5K was the minimum bid. So you're saying... The Leia Hoth one? Yeah. yeah. Didn't even go uh-huh. for that? What was that? It, there was no bids on it? No, none of the stuff in that auction, I think, got even the minimum bid. Some stuff was sold outside the auction afterwards, but none of the stuff in that auction actually sold at the prices listed. Like, I ended up with the Leia Hoth down the road. Right. Um, and actually, the story I, I prepared for this uh, this talk show, <laughs> um, this talk show, this podcast. I, I like the talk show. I, yeah, I did too. It felt very retro. Uh, <laughs> coincidentally... Before I even knew you guys were going to talk about that ad, ties into the whole ad and the Leha thing. So I thought that was kind of funny when I looked through your show notes. I was like, oh man, this ties into the story. But yeah, I ended up with that Leha, but it did not sell in the auction. Okay, well then we're, okay. we're going to tease that for story time later. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then, uh, you know, Steve has been working like a demon, uh, working on the next archive party. He's actually kind of taken the lead at uh, Celebration Anaheim. Of Los yeah, Angeles, it's, uh, it's a lot of a lot of moving parts, but we're getting there, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's like, so just so you know, we're probably going to be shooting for the Thursday of the party, right? Right, that's so, the target target date. So I don't care if George Lucas is coming to your hotel room to play tiddlywinks with you. You got to go to the archive <laughs> party because it's going to be good. almost as good as the first one. <laughs> yeah, sequels are, are a tough uh, tough thing to pull off. <laughs> Um, and I can say that we had a target game last year, right? What did we use for the target last time? It was uh, one of the fake rocket fets, our repro rocket fet, wasn't it? It was a repro rocket fet. Well, yeah. I think we're going to do another target game. I think we're going to use instead <laughs> the rebel rocket. Now, this this sounds, you know, potentially disturbing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What What is the story with these things, man? Because I, I saw it on... Uh, on a, a blog, I think it was the Rancho Obi Wan blog too that Gus talked about it. Um, but yeah, what is the story with these things? Okay, first of all, had you heard of a Rebel Rocket until a, a week ago, Steve? No. Okay, no. I had. Is our trademark stupidity wrong that we've never heard of the Rebel Rocket? Um. Yeah, I would say that since you guys are such giant figures in the vintage community, right. they should probably have at least heard of the Rebel Rocket, Okay, but it's not as bad as not knowing about the um, stamp collecting kit or something like that. Right, right, okay. <laughs> Which I remember vividly you guys did not, had never heard of when he talked about it. It's a common, common problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a teacher, Ron, but I like to think I learn as much as I teach. You know, um, three months. A lifelong yeah. learner. Lifelong. You're getting learner. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out there's a lot to learn in this damn hobby. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so uh, there's a there was a giveaway with Kellogg's, and well, right. I think it was probably just with C3PO's. Yeah. But in the event that God listens to this podcast, he can correct us. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't mean. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. It was C3PO's. Right. And it was it came in the box, so like back in the day, you used to get toys in boxes of cereal. It wasn't this right. like well, send away. You used the, the the word toy pretty liberally there. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhat similar to a toy. Nay, I may not have known about it, but I fell in love with it. So what it is <sighs> is it looks like a tampon applicator, 
um, <laughs> mixed with a heroin syringe, or I guess it could be any kind of syringe. It's essentially two cylindrical pieces of white plastic that fit into them, fit into each other, and it's just a it's a pressure thing. So you you push the end of one into the other, and it creates enough pressure that it pops. And you can put little decals on it, like these cool decals of Chewie and Han, and like it says their names. And the thing about the Rebel Rocket is this, it is awesome. The pop that it makes is outstanding. I'm very lucky. Rob, first of all, was just a great host. Second of all, like, he, like, was just very generous. He got me this cool Chewy family portrait thing. I'll have to, uh, I have, I stuck in a box somewhere since I came back, but I'll show it in a future episode. But he knows my predilection for playing with stuff, so he let me open up a brand new bag of a Rebel Rocket and play with it. So I took pictures. I pretended to shoot at my arm, like you know. You know, Sky. Yeah. There are people out there who are looking for mint sealed Rebel Rockets, and you probably <laughs> just took that one off the market. Like, Sure, that really jibes with the whole anti-uncirculated grade thing. I know. I know. Not only did I not know it existed, but now I've destroyed it. Uh, I know, you did. But I'm going to save that Rebel Rocket, and the thing is, that thing could really put your eye out. I mean, it gets a lot of force. So I think the Rebel Rocket, we'll have like a Rebel Rocket rad game. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on the, the yeah. title, but <laughs> concept is good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so oh, it's, it's funny. Yet uh, you were saying it, it was only something that came with the three POs, and you're right. And I was just looking at the the blog by uh, Gus, and I guess it was repurposed in '87 or somewhere in the late '80s as uh, a Lucky Charms promo as Lucky's <laughs> Magic Rocket, which. They also, uh, that thing's just not okay. (laughs) Kids, would you like to see Lucky's Magic Rocket? Welcome to Goo! I I don't know, man. I don't have to get away with that The rocket thing kind of fits with the Star Wars theme, but I'm not sure it fits with the little leprechaun thing. No. 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 Especially, yeah, Lucky's, you don't, yeah, you don't. Way to go, Steve, you know. (laughs) Honestly. Uh, That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, so that that will be, I think, a pretty a pretty fun feature. Um, oh, we also ate some gum from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, oh man, yeah, no Temple of Doom uh, bubblegum cards. Did it not just disintegrate when you when you opened it? <laughs> yeah, when you eat it, it's just it doesn't form. I wound up spitting it into the toilet and then scaring the hell out of the next person that used it. Uh, someone needs to see a doctor. <laughs> I mean, the trading card gum is already probably at least 120 years old when it's new. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, true. Yeah, that's, anyway. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, maybe it gets better with time, you know? Maybe it softens up a bit. Yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but, um, Wishful thinking. But, oh, yeah, man. and then I thought it'd be fun, too, to just... This is a, a general call-out, okay? So... Some of us are lucky enough to own a chromalin, right? So chromalins are... If Matthias was here, I'd ask him to explain it. Um, uh, it's a fantastic uh, stage of figure production. Um, it's... But, uh, hey man, that's what he gets for not showing up. It's only 4.30 in the morning in Sweden. What else is he doing? Um, so, like, the cool thing about chromalins is, unlike proofs, 
they're often changed and there's handwritten changes. And it's one of the best things. I, I, I don't know. I don't get the sense people talk about those handwritten changes. They, they just say changes, but not how they changed. Um, yeah. So I think that'd be a fun thing. What's your favorite chromalin markup? Jeez, hmm. I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. No? It's, that's going to take some digging, I think. Okay, but, well, uh, well, I'll leave that as an open topic. I'll tell you my right. favorite one that I saw over the weekend, which was um, uh, on on the uh, Death Star compactor uh, micro. Obi-Wan Kenobi did not have a hyphen in between ah. his <laughs> name. And so it just says, you know, hyphen. And then what's great is you can just look at the actual, you can look at the chromalin and then look at the actual piece and then you see, oh, there it is. Like, if it weren't for that, there would be no hyphen in there and we'd talk about, oh man, this is the one where they messed up and they didn't put the hyphen in. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I just think that's, that's cool. definitely uh, one of the fun things about, you know, that stage of uh, packaging prototype is that you do get those hand-marked changes on a lot of them. I would say, well, Maybe not most of them, but a good proportion have stuff like that on there, which makes it a little bit cooler. At least, yeah, at least something. It may not always be major, but it's it's there, so you know that they're they're looking at it pretty closely. And and one of my favorites is it actually says hyphen in black pen with a question mark, and then in a red pen, yes. Response, so, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like this passive aggressive, like yeah, of course it's not Obi Wan Kenobi, it's Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, I don't know, my, yeah. my Emperor Chromalin has Lucas written across the top, and I've always, I mean, I guess that's probably because it was, I guess, sent to Lucasfilm, and that's why they did it, um, but it's, I, I think I've maybe seen other Chromalins that say Lucas on them, but I can't really think of what they are, so it's pretty cool it to have. It just says Lucas on the top of it? Yeah, yeah, it's actually, it's on the archive. Um, Interesting. I mean, it doesn't say it belongs to me, it was like 18 owners ago that it was put on the archive. Um, but yeah, it says Lucas on the top. Um, I'll let you hmm. if you look up Emperor Chromalin. What 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 logo is it? Uh, it is a Return of the Jedi Emperor Chromalin. Oh jeez. Yeah, so you can look it up. It's uh oh yeah, it says it belongs to the guy who I bought it from. That's the proof that I bought and I waited two months and I saved like $800 because the pound went down against the dollar. I was like, I'm an international trader. Uh, so at the top it says 620. How many Chromalins from Obi-Wan are on the archive? No, no, it's an Emperor Chromalin. Oh, an Emperor, sorry. Yeah. If you just search Emperor Chromalin estimation, it'll be the first. Kenobi with an Emperor offer. Oh. No, no. But I get, it has a date, so I guess it just must be that must be the date it was approved. You know, six. So it says six twenty Lucas. I mean, yeah, that probably means that. Yeah, Lucas okayed it. I'm still can't find. Oh, I see. Here you go. Yeah, I mean, I would guess that means that Lucas okayed it on you know June twentieth, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that is neat. I mean, it just gives you a little bit of feel for what things were used for and the history of them. Yeah, so those of you who have chromalins, take a look. Tell us, what is your favorite chromalin markup? <laughs> It'll be another feature that we'll do like twice and then never remember again, Steve. What do you think? <laughs> Add it to the uh, the archive, man. <laughs> we, got a, we got a list of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people listen to our shows and then go back. I always feel like we should give people like homework. It's like, hey, if this is your first episode and you're going to go back and listen to all of them, 
Could you count how many times Steve says man? <laughs> man. I, someone was, who was, I think it was Adam who was saying that listening to the show made him say man more. Oh, no, man. This is not good. Uh, and not also, to Adam, Adam was funny because he's an electrician. And, and like, so first of all, he, he was talking about how he was, he basically wants to collect Ugnaughts now because <laughs> he repels sometimes as an electrician. And then when we pointed out that the Ugnaught was repelling, it kind of made him sort of like an Ugnaughtish fan. Oh, that is, that is too good. <laughs> and, and then the, the other thing uh, he said was that he like, he'll be on the job site and he'll just bump the Kivecast on the job site. <laughs> <laughs> So like I just probably the idea. first person to ever pick up on Ugnot stuff because he identified with Ugnot. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. That's got to be a first. <laughs> Especially he's also not like I mean if he if he looked like Danny DeVito that might be different. But, you know, he looks like a normal human being. You know, or if uh, he was a chef or something and he had like a smock you know that he wore you know right. living around the kitchen. He's like you know I really identify with the Ugnot in his kitchen outfit. Yeah. So, anyways, and you guys want to make uh, custom Boston Bruins jerseys with Ugnots on them? I can give you his address to send it to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I, I guess uh, other things that I feel like I should know but didn't really think about was that they didn't have enough Emperor figures to send out. I, I don't know. I guess. Wow. Are you saying wow that I didn't know that, or wow no, that, no. that's true? It just seems like they're so. <laughs> Super, like everywhere. That's just funny. Oh, you saw that at Rob's house, you mean? Yeah, the the little slit. Yeah. So, so do, do you remember that, uh, Ron? Um, I don't remember it from the day, but I remember seeing that piece of paperwork that, you know, basically the idea is that they didn't have the emperors on hand for the emperor mail away, and so to compensate kids, they still got the emperor eventually, but as a sorry we're late with this, they sent them one of the uh, Build Your Army's micro sets. Huh. And there's like a little note that says, oh, we're sorry, the Emperor's late. Actually here's wrong. A, here's it, some crummy it, micro figures. It yeah, says, Dear Star, Capclock Wars fan, <laughs> due to the overwhelming response to the Free the Emperor promotion, there's been a delay in sending your figure. We are very sorry for any disappointment or inconvenience we may have caused you. Please accept this additional Star Wars gift as a token of our appreciation for your patience. Sincerely, Kenner Products. So that's what I actually said. I love the inconvenience. Like there's someone sitting there with the with the shuttle or something. It's just like okay. They really he, did care. Here here comes the mail. Oh, this is so inconvenient. I, I have to use a <laughs> little hot sauce. Do you think if kid and would you be more upset that the emperor was late, or would you be happy because you got some free micro figures? Like what would be your reaction? Oh, I'd be over the moon. I'd be so happy. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't be like, Johnny down the street got his emperor and I got these crummy micro figures. <laughs> Not if I eventually... No, up until I got the emperor, I would be like, cursing everything. I'd be like, I'm done with Star Wars. I hate this, I hate this. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then when it came, I'd be like, hey, Jonathan, look, I got an extra figures. You, so you would have done like the mini Sky rant like you did last week. It would be like the junior <laughs> Sky version of the rant you did last week, last yeah. month about the... Uh, the UK guys busted on you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lots of talk about that, Steve, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we, uh, Is this the news section? Star.
We stopped saying Lucy Goosey Mon, we now say Gargan Largan. So Gargan it's, Largan. it's kind of a Gargan Largan episode. Yeah, you know? Okay. Uh, it actually usually goes well. When we have these episodes, they're a little bit looser. Uh, all right. Enjoy it. Or I, I have it. some news items. Oh my god. Oh. All right. But in that, in that case, I'll, 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 I'll shut up about. Uh, about uh, <laughs> I just don't know when the news is. I thought we did we roll past that already, or are we still in that? Well, uh, we kind of we kind of jumped around. So the, 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 the news. News. Okay, here it is. <laughs> and now down on the <laughs> let's throw to Ron Salvatore, who's down the locker room with the visiting bears. Ron, <laughs> um, are you guys aware? Since I don't know if, how aware people are of this yet, but uh, Chris Gugulius and uh, Sharon Williams, his girlfriend of the last few years, got married um, just a couple of days ago. Really? And uh, in a surprise announcement, well, it wasn't quite widely announced, and you guys have to keep quiet about it for the time being, but I, I figure your show's not going to be aired for a while yet, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's streaming live, but no, it's okay. Uh. Oh. By wow. the time you air the show, I'm sure I'm sure people will know. But yeah, so they they got married and uh, in Arizona, and so kind of a happy occasion for um, friends of Chris and Sharon. And you know, since he's a kind of figure on your podcast, I figure you should probably we should probably mention that. Um, That's as well, awesome. You know, That's one of my great. best friends. So definitely happy to happy for him and Sharon. Uh, they kind of did it surreptitiously on their own and, and sent out a surprise uh, card, which is kind of like a total Chris kind of card. And uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get a scan of the card <laughs> for the show notes or something. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of a big piece of Star Wars news, I'd say. Wow, congratulations. Well, you know, yeah. my divorce was finalized, uh, which is the big news on my end. And <laughs> it's funny because it's not actually like a sad, like it's a happy thing for me and like... I, I think these pieces of information go well. Like, good love is thriving, and bad love is withering. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. You're going in opposite directions there, but you know, yeah. I mean, I'm going in, in neither. That's <laughs> so, the way it is. But yeah, that's uh, a pretty cool piece of news. That's um, awesome. Well, a big congratulations yeah, to congrats, Chris, Chris. Sharon and. Sharon, did, awesome, do we know did did she take Jorgulius as a last name? Um, the card says "with love from Mister and Mrs. Jorgulius," so I think <sighs> so. There's another. There is another. No, there is another. I do. How do I say this? Jukit. <laughs> Come on, someone's. You get it right, like the scene with Yoda, where he says there's another Skywalker, but he can't pronounce Jorgulius. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to get married to Christian Gulli, you might as well go whole hog and accept the name, you know. Absolutely. I mean, no other way to go, man. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just disappointed that my comedic vision didn't come across. Do, do you see my comedic vision, Steve? I, I was I was following you there. Was... There is another... Okay, fine. It's not as funny as I think. Um, so what other news do you have, uh... Did um, Tommy Garvey um, give birth to triplets? <laughs> no, no triplets yet, as far as I know. Um, 
But uh, and what would he sort of, name them? They'd be like Zelda sneaker and Kia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. fine. I can't. Uh, I couldn't hear what you said. But that's okay. uh, I tried to imagine what would Tommy name his triplets. Oh, and I came yeah. up with Zelda sneaker and Kia. That's uh, probably a good bet. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know, uh, get them all like special Converse to wear in the in the waiting room. All right, I'm I'm getting silly, and we haven't even gotten halfway through Ron's news. <laughs> yeah. You know what it is? It's Matthias is is like contagious. I like I feel I feel drunk. <laughs> yeah, you spent all day thinking Matthias was going to be on, and now you're all geared up, but he's not. Yeah. He's sleeping or whatever, whatever he's doing. Yeah. Raiding small villages with the other Vikings over there in Sweden. <laughs> uh, all right. So so what else is in Ron news? Uh, oh, just archive updates. There's been a few. Oh, cool. Tell us about them. The last time. Uh, there's two new Ross Cuddy pieces of paperwork that I added. Um, one concerning uh, the Gaffy stick. Another change notice. I don't know if you guys saw that at all. No. Remember last month we talked about the uh, the Jawa? Yeah, the, right. Which was just cake. amazing. Yeah, well, this one concerns the color of the gaffy stick, or whatever the heck it's called, gatterfy, ga- gaffy stick. Um, and uh, it, apparently the original color was blue, and it was changed to brown, huh. which is kind of curious. And I, you can read the description there, but I think the reason is because Lucasfilm probably thought it was mostly made of, like, metal. And so it was supposed to be like like the guns, you know, like a rep, the blue representing like a steel kind of color. Right. And then later on, it was changed to brown. So that's kind of cool. I'd never heard or even thought about that before. Yeah. Why do you think it was made in brown? Uh, well, I think at some at some point Lucasfilm or someone said, "Hey, this thing is actually mostly wood." And oh, so okay. They it to brown. It's only like the the ends and a couple of portions that are steel. Huh. Yeah, it's funny. I don't even really have an image of what an actual... I only have the image of the toy in my head. I don't have the image of an actual Gaderfi stick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had the, when I was writing this, I had to look up a picture of what it looked like. But there's steel portions and wood portions, basically. Right. I, I grew uh, In my town, there's a family called the Legerfos, which I thought was the coolest name in the world. And I always thought Gaddafi and Legerfo just go all together. That actually, that actually brings up a sky thought. Are you, are you guys ready for that? Go for it. So, I've been thinking about the Mexican Lily Lady 12-inch figures. Okay. And people, we've talked about them before, and how, what, there's what, four of them, right? You got, oh, there could be more. So you got Vader, right? You got Luke, all right? You got, uh, who else? Droids? Yeah. Um. You got the droids, you got Han, you got pretty standard figures, but then who's the one you don't expect? <laughs> the Tuscan or the Jawa, I guess, right? The Tuscan or the Jawa. Of course you're going to sell Tuscan Raiders and Jawas to Mexicans. They live in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were like the politically correct guy and everything. No! <laughs> What's politically correct about saying Mexicans live in the desert? It's the desert. I mean, if it was Arizona, I wouldn't be politically incorrect. It's... You know, it just whatever makes, you say, Sky. It just makes <laughs> sense. It would be like if they made a twelve-inch Wampa for, you know, Canadians. Like it just makes sense. 
right? First you start making, you know, jokes about Mexicans, and the next thing you know, you're Hitler. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess I agree. Like, don't you think that explains the bizarre choice of, of Tuscan and Lady, that maybe they are figures that were more popular to play with because there was more environments to actually play with them? Because if you're a kid growing up in Minnesota or you're a kid growing up in Santa Barbara, you're not going to have an actual desert to play with. But if you live in a dry, hot country, then the Tatooine figures must be more relatable. I buy it. I, I get that. And uh, what, I, what I do seem a little bit confused is, is there's a note about Richard Dreyfus along with this. <laughs> What's the Richard Dreyfus connection? Oh, that's my, the other, okay. All right. So that, that's a different part. That was just to drop okay. my memory. Okay. okay. So that was sky point number one. And I, I could be wrong, but hey, if you're a Mexican, first of all, it's not, there's nothing wrong with saying the word Mexican, right? That's just like a country. So if you are from Mexico, uh, did you play more with the Tatooine figures because it resembled more the area that, that you were near, right? So that, that's a question. Uh, the next thing was just realizing that Jawas might have been a play of, on words with Jaws. I just, okay. I just hadn't thought of that before. You ever thought of that? There was, you know, I don't know if you guys realize this, but I think in one of Steve Sansweet's books, probably from Concept of Screen to Collectibles, um, I think Universal considered suing Fox over the Jawa name because it was huh. close to Jaws. Wow. Well, then there you go. Which is kind of <laughs> interesting. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, I believe that's accurate. I believe my memory's right on that, which is kind of funny. But I guess it sort of makes sense if you had, like, the huge blockbuster in 75 and you want to market Jaws products and then along comes Fox a couple of years later with their own huge blockbuster and it has Jawas. Right. Maybe there's some kind of overlap there. But well, I, I just don't think, think it anywhere. Like, people love whenever Lucas does, you know, whenever... You know, Spielberg does the R2-D2 in the Pyramid, or there's the Club Obi-Wan, or whatever. There's all these references to Lucas in... Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he co-wrote them, but still, they're Spielberg films with references to Lucas. Right. Maybe this was just a fun way of making reference to Spielberg, because they were friends. I, I don't know. I just hadn't thought of that before. Yeah, I, I never heard that, but, you know, it, the names are kind of close. I mean... I was uh, really fast. Yeah, but is could you think of anything more different than a Jawa and, and that giant shark? That's <laughs> just <kinda> right. <laughs> well, can you think of anything more different than Obi Wan Kenobi in a nightclub? Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, it's just funny. actually that's not true because he like goes into the club in the movie, and then he goes into the club in the other movie. Okay, in an airplane, could there be anything different than Obi Wan in an airplane? <laughs> okay. Um, and when would you ever see R2-D2 and C-3PO in the desert? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, my God. You know what, Ron? You were even there for the biggest realization that I made that may I have to wait for another month. The realization about uh, the connection between THX 1138 and the Star Wars Holiday Special? Well, no. I'm not aware of any connection. Okay. Well... I may have to save that for another day. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a saga unto if, itself. If I am apparently accused of, of being politically incorrect with my observation, oh, no. you, better, you better move on. <laughs> um, so, uh, Steve, what other stories do you have from the news? 
Um, well, one we kind of touched on already with the whole <laughs> Rebel Rocket thing kind of leads leads into this, but uh, there's a new blog on the Ratchet Obi-Wan site where a few different people post. I guess is one of them. Steve's one, obviously. I think Pete Dilmer. It's just it's cool little nuggets uh, of information that we don't have to go through, but just a heads up to check it out because, I mean, there's this whole thing. Yeah, he goes into the whole thing about the Rockets. He also talks about something uh, which I thought was awesome. Uh, a couple, I think it was a couple months ago. There was that... 12-inch Luke that they used in the like pre-production of Return of the Jedi that I recognized watching in that documentary, and they have you know just write-ups on stuff like that. That's fun, but uh, it's just another thing to check out. Um, it's basically filling the hole that used to exist on StarWars.com, where guys like Pete, Vilgo, Pete Vilmer, Gus Lopez, and Steve Sands would write articles. Um, now it's mostly like. Uh, March Madness. Who's the most popular Star Wars character? Oh, it's Darth Vader. Yeah, oh. I mean it's it's awesome to see that uh, you know some of those guys, you know Gus and Pete in particular, and Steve himself have picked up some of the slack with that because uh, you know it does. I mean, I guess Rancho Obi Wan's not exactly an official source, but you know it seems quasi official, and you know coming from those guys, it definitely seems like. We have a vintage collecting voice out there coming from a semi-official source on a blog, and the stuff they've been doing is really cool, so it's awesome to see that. Yeah. Um, now, what's the next update you want to school us on there, uh, um, HG? Let's see, what else did I add? There's a Han Solo 12-back quality control sample carded figure, which is something I own, which... I added because I was talking to someone about it, and I don't know. But to me, it's, there's not that much to say about it other than it is what it is. Wait a if minute. If you're interested in that, you can see that there. Obviously, it'd be one and of the. You've been talking to someone about it. I've been trying to get you to take pictures and put putting up your QC stuff for years. You know, it's not me yeah. you were talking to. Actually, when I got this, I um. What did you say? I'm sorry, I missed the question you asked. Oh, I've been trying to get you to post your QC stuff and talk about it for like years. Yeah, well, just folks like you, I guess, okay. finally convinced me that I should, especially since this one is a 12-back and there's not that many out there. Right. Um, oh, that's awesome. I mean, there's some out there, but, you know, it's not like there's tons. Um, what's cool is they, they wrote the, their comments in the price box. Yeah. It only well, exists it? on 12-backs. Yeah, it's just the guy's name and the date, which is March of, you know, uh, 78, which kind of gives you a date of when, you know, the first carded, figures were coming off the line, which is interesting. Oh, actually, when I got it, the reason I got it was because they didn't have a small head Han on card. <laughs> and I was like, I thought of actually erasing that name off there, because I was like, I don't want writing on my card. And it, it's in pencil. <laughs> you wow. know? So it's like, shows you how attitudes change. Cause I really didn't think that much of the, the, the sign samples that are just written on there when we got them, but obviously now... But the way things are going with this stuff, it's probably got some good value there. But anyway, that's on there. Um, what else? Oh, another another Ross Cuddy piece of paperwork. I told you I'd be leaking this stuff out here and there for a while. This one is pretty interesting. No one's commented on it, of course, since I posted it a little while back. But Okay, wait, 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 just one second now, Ron. So last month, last time you were on, I made the joke that... Uh, the the archive is like a web version of our podcast. 
And, yes, you did indeed. And you acted like you didn't get the joke. It turns out you got it and you didn't think it was funny. So just... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I got it. Just, it just wasn't funny. That's fine. But the one thing I will say is, is that I think the combination of posting on Rebel Scum and coming on here will get it closer to people starting to pay as much attention as they should. Because as an example, the, that change on the Vinyl Cape Jawa or the change to having the cape at all, like, that is absolutely, for our hobby, mind-blowing information. That's, like, world-changing information, and it's another way to get it out, another way to get it shared. So, so I mean, I think, Ron, you should just consider that when, whenever you do an update, that's part one, and then part two is coming on here and having to deal with uh, with Steve's arrogance, you know, when you're upset. <laughs> Yeah, Steve's arrogance is hard to put up with, but, you know, considering yeah. it's for a good cause, we'll, we'll, we'll go along with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Digby's arrogance, though, is a little bit, I can't take that at all. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, you should have heard earlier on, Steve admitted to <laughs> mercilessly beating his dog. Yes. He didn't exactly. know I was filming. That's, he was like, I like to strangle him and scream his name. That's, that's exactly how I stated it. <laughs> Oh man! Like act out the beginning of you know Star Wars when he chokes the guy in the corridor there. That's Only right. Be, <laughs> I find your lack of shut bark up. while I'm on the podcast. Uh, all right. So so what is this? Uh, the next cutty piece? Um, well, it's it. To be honest, I don't even know what to describe it as. I, it looks to me like it's a rough like brainstorming list of possible future products. But since it's 77, it, there's obviously a bunch of Star Wars stuff on there. And the interesting thing about it is that several of the items were never made. So, I mean, just to give you an idea, like, it lists several figures. Wait, you know, Star I think Wars. maybe we should just read them one by one, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, um, so, Ozone Systems. Oh, you're going to go down the whole list? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Ozone Systems is. Okay, I'll start, then I'll go Steve, then I'll go you. Ozone systems. All right, so we got Star Wars. Now, what is that second word? Something game. I think it's ramp. Ramp. Okay, ramp game. Uh, Margaret's popcorn house. <laughs> Seventy-eight smash us derby. <laughs> Shocking, Shocking Death Star game. Oh man. Shocking Death Star game. What's that? Okay. <laughs> um, Star Wars mini rebel pilot. Mini rebel pilot. So a minifigure of a rebel pilot. That's awesome. Star Wars mini rebel ground support crew. Hey. <laughs> another Star Wars, rebel yeah, figure. Yeah, another, another rebel figure. Uh, mini Tarkin. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> a uh, mini Tarkin. So they were going Star to make Wars a Tarkin. Star Wars droid factory. <laughs> droid factory, they make it. Uh, and then so do, we, do we need to do any of the rest of these? Um, okay, <laughs> I, I'll just read the rest really quickly. All right. Pro-Dev Optics Products. Dodo Toy Railroad, Preschool Construction System, Infant Crib Line, Pet Care Line, Buckaroos and Wheelies, Bingo Babies, <laughs> Star Wars TTP, St- SSP Van Ramset, Steve Austin Sports Car. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good list. <laughs> That's a great yeah. list. Pretty good. And obviously, um, several things were never made. I think the Star Wars ramp game at the top and the SSP Van Ramset are the same thing, maybe? Although it says game at the top. I don't know. But the ramp kind of makes me think that those might be just a repetition there. Uh, but obviously the coolest thing is probably the figures. 
a mini rebel pilot, I would assume, is the figure that became Luke X-Wing pilot. Um, rebel ground support crew obviously never made. I guess it's those guys who are scurrying around in the uh, in the hangar towards the end of the movie. Yeah, Tarkin, obviously one of the most requested, never made figures of all time. There you have it, you know, mentioned there on an official list way back in 77. Right, so uh, August 17th, 1977, which is yep. about uh, three weeks and two days before my birthday. There uh, you go. They almost made a Tarkin. Well, I mean, I would be careful. I mean, I think it's more of a rough list of like, hey, this is the stuff we could make. But I don't think it means that there was any development that went much beyond the name you see there written there. But still, I mean, I've never seen anything dating from the 70s that indicated anything on Tarkin. So that's about the only thing. Now, as a dude who's dealt with Kenner, do you recognize the the initials and the... Um, because they all are assigned by somebody, so... Yeah, I looked at that briefly. I could probably figure it out if I put some thought into it, but off the top of my head, that's not ringing a bell. Because if I could posit something, the fact that it says buy would indicate that there might actually be some actual drawings or work done. Because maybe the Star Wars ramp set is by KK, and then the Star Wars Ramp game is by EW, so maybe they have competing versions of the same basic idea. Yeah, I mean, I would <laughs> guess that those are ideas proposed by those people, um, whether they did supporting materials for them or not. I mean, I guess you could... I mean, it seems likely. I mean, it could be. Uh, it's just they haven't, you know, turned up. You know, if you watch Brian Stillman's documentary, which could plug here again for that, that is... Um, there's a bunch of Kenner folks, and they talk about conceptual stuff and brainstorming sessions, and you know, coming up with different product ideas. And so that gives you an idea of some of the the process that that went that went on with these products. So I would guess that these are the folks who kind of suggested that, you know. But we don't have obviously any evidence that there's more to it. So right. Anyway, it's just kind of one of those teaser things where you see it, and it's like, oh man, that's cool, Tarkin's name, because. Really, I've never seen that even on a list, at least from the 70s, that he's proposed in the in the post-Power of the Force stuff. But as far as the 70s stuff goes, I've never seen anything other than this that Tarkin was considered seriously. Now, Ron, I am a typical idiot jerk who doesn't ever look at the archive, and I am interested in the idea of the post-Power of the Force Star Wars line. <laughs> Where on the Internet websites... Can I find anything about the post-Power of the Force Kenner Star Wars designs, Ron? Uh, if you go to the main site and go to Features, and then Special Features, there's a link in there um, that uh, I believe it's uh, Lisa Stevens and Vic Wirtz put that together years ago for us. And it's got, because they have a portfolio that, that relates to that proposal. And you can see all the photos there. They're old, like 1998 photos, but they're still. You can take a look at that stuff. And what it is for Tarkin, there's just like a an eight by ten or eight by eleven photo of him. <laughs> it says Tarkin. Right. Of course, what you'd like to see is a drawing of the figure, but it's just a picture of you know Peter Cushing, and it says you know Ramoff Tarkin. Like we could make a figure of this guy, but there's nothing other than that. So, right there you go. Hey, how bad do you wish that your grandmother was named Tarkin? So you'd be like, oh, it's my grandma Tarkin. 
<laughs> Only you would come up with something like that. <laughs> you probably thought about that in the past. No, no, that's the first time. It's not like my THX 1138 Star Wars Holiday Special idea. That would be cool. That would be pretty cool, Sky. Definitely pretty cool. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. Yeah, well, the, the, just because it is all that post... 85 stuff is great. And I, I always associate it with you, Ron, because you do a lot of the the panel talks at Star Wars Celebration, Segway coming. You do a lot of the panel talks, Segway, on its way. And like, you'll sometimes talk about the unproduced products at the collector panels. What's our next news story, Steve? <laughs> well, they have uh, announced that there will be, a, yet again, a collector stage with collector panels. And Segway achieved. <laughs> And what comes with those panels? What's been coming lately? It's the Star Tots. So they got a, a couple samples that they posted up there, and they, they look pretty good. Oh, yeah, there you go. So uh, they're going Empire this time. Yeah. It's just to tie it back into the Chris Tregulius, um meme here, but he, uh, <laughs> he's he been the guy. He did a lot of work on those things going way back. So Yeah, he's the, 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 arc, the primary architect, right, of the Star Tots? I'm sorry, I've missed, he's the what? He's the, I mean, he's sort of the architect of the Star Tot. Yeah, I mean, right? he's kind of been, um, I would say, the guy who did the most work on those giveaways for the last, I mean, other people have done work as well, but I, I would say he's the, the director of those things, the giveaways, and right. you know, he's always done a great job with it. Yeah, and it's, on a, I'm really happy that they're continuing on, like, it's, how do you feel about it, actually, about them continuing with it? I feel sort of like positive and negative, more positive than negative. But, you know, it's it's like, ah, oh, I wonder, like, if they would have done something different, if that would have been cool. Yeah, I mean, personally, I mean, I like variety, so I wouldn't mind seeing something new. But the Star Tots are a really cool product, and I think Chris and Gus and those guys were keen to do... I don't want to say all the figures, but to do more of the figures. So, I mean, you're not moving into Empire, so it's kind of a good opportunity to do other parts of the line. And so, I mean, if it's a good idea, you might as well exhaust it, right? Yeah. You can move on to something else and do, you know, C-3PO's Pop Rockets, and no one would... (laughs) Right. Well, I mean... going with the good stuff. I'm much more positive than negative, because it's going to be so cool to have us on all of them all lined up and all connected um and sorry i have to check my i have to keep checking my email okay nope no None yeah i mean f- if you really like the star tots and you have the star wars ones you know the first 21 or the first 20 is it uh, um, yeah, now 20. you can move on past that and get the other ones i would imagine that you're pretty happy yeah and if you don't like the star tots you're not happy yeah <laughs> But how do you not like the Star Tots? They're yeah, there, that's, so that's tough. Yeah, they're really cool. Like. I mean, to me, the good thing about them is that there's a physical item, you know, right? Like, it's basically similar to the medallions that they were given out years ago, but it's in the shape of a figure, and there's some enameling in there. So there's a physical item, and then you also get a graphical item with the card. So it, it kind of it hits on multiple things. Right. And it ties in the action figure collecting and unproduced toys and other stuff. So it's really kind of, I don't want to say the perfect giveaway, but it, it, it's pretty nice. So I'm not surprised that they're doing more of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, go check that out <clears throat> at, I don't know, everywhere. StarWarsCelebration.com, I guess. You yeah, that would, that would be the, the easiest one, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Although, should um, we call it Celebration Los Angeles and Anaheim? Should we call it that? <laughs> no. Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, man. So, Musasa on uh, the Rebel Scum forums posted this really cool Japanese item. Um, you know, maybe been thinking a lot about Japan lately. Maybe been watching a lot of old Godzilla movies with the kids. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's like this... How do we describe this thing, guys? It's, it's it's tough to describe, but I'll say that. So it's called the Takara. It's made by Takara, and who made a lot of Star Wars toys. And they're like stencils. Right. And so you could like draw... They have like a little black bag, and then inside them, you could like fill them in with ink or pencil or whatever, and you'd have a little Star Wars drawing inside. Yeah. It's funny. Like, to me, when you see just all the stencils on the, like, just a, a line art form, they look like something you'd see in a Star Wars Atari game, almost. Like, right. that, just really basic line art that, that's, uh, it's cool, though. It's, it's simple, but it's, it's really neat. Right. And it's, yeah. it shows a lot of innovation. Like the R2-D2, you have to do sort of more than one stencil and yeah. put them together, and then that makes a full R2-D2 design. And, uh, yeah, these are really neat. Um, there's also, uh, like, erasers that came with it as well, uh, which features unse- at least an image I've never seen of C-3PO, where he's kind of got bad posture. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, normally C-3PO is known for his... Uh, stick up the butt, good posture. Looks like he's hurling or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is just a, another good example of the kind of thing where let's see how many responses it got. Oh, I actually got a fair amount of response. Um, but really. Uh, the, the thing that I like about it is the box. Like, I've seen plenty of those little eraser things, and, uh, you know, I, I had them and got rid of them and whatnot here and there. But the cool thing is that box especially in such nice condition that he's got it in and man i love that hildebrand art and it's just as sharp as heck i would wouldn't mind having one of those yeah yeah it's it's beautiful uh yeah hildebrand art so just uh trying to not only highlight things on the archive that deserve more attention but yeah get, this, get the uh, niche oddball stuff in there yeah no that's definitely cool i mean as, as you know uh the car folks made a whole bunch of cool stuff I mean to me that's one of the great Star Wars licensees because they only made stuff for a couple years in the late 70s and basically everything they made was just not produced well they made some stuff that was released in other countries but a lot of the stuff they did was like original by them and released only in Japan and I've always been somewhat perplexed that people didn't go more crazy collecting it just kind of I think a lot of people view it as this oddball area that they don't get into and they're just like oh yeah that stuff but you don't see that many people pursuing it right uh, but it's definitely cool you know the products they made are just awesome you know i have that i have the catalog the dealer catalog from i think 78 i think we looked at it at my house didn't we sky yeah yeah and it's just like super awesome you page through you're like man all these weird you know unique products that were made by them just very cool yeah and they're often of superior quality and they'll do cool, like, just things will shoot for no reason. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if people know, but, I mean, they made figures that were basically mostly die-casts that were, like, you know, seven-inch tall figures. And then they made, of course, the big eight-inch plastic figures, several figures that shoot missiles out of their chests. There's a, a lightsaber with color-changing discs to make the, 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 
the light of the blade change. Um, just a bunch of cool stuff like that. The, obviously, the wind-up C-3PO that was also released in Canada. I mean, wind-up R2-D2 that was also released in Canada. Um, I mean, just really cool stuff. And I, mean, I would encourage someone who's got a little bit of money but isn't rich and is looking for an area to focus instead of doing like a character collector or trying to buy first shots or whatever to pursue Takara stuff. I mean, it's something you can probably make a dent with with a decent amount of money and have a collection that most other people don't have. Right, and and you could, I mean, a lot of it costs a fair amount of money, but it's out there. You don't, you don't have yeah, to, I mean, like, bug someone forever. I mean, it's not dirt cheap, but compared to what people are paying for some things, you could buy the stuff without, you know, selling your grandma. Right. Um, your grandma Tarkin. Yes, my grandma Tarkin. <laughs> um, oh, hey, speaking of... Uh, uh, of this, I mean, I just was looking around on just while we're talking. I think I need to find a uh, a missile firing C three PO. You know the the diecast C three PO that shoots a missile out of its stomach. Yeah, yeah. I love those. I love that. I mean, it's got those red eyes. Like it looks like yeah. they kill you. You know, and it, it's the most imposing C three PO toy ever made. And it's just, I think it's definitely cool. I mean, what's going through the mind of the the Japanese toy designer? He was like, hey. We should make a killer C-3PO. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I can I tell mean, you, it's the country that brought you Mecha Godzilla. So, like, which yeah, I, I guess. watched this I mean, afternoon. And come to think of it, you know, when the prequels rolled around, nobody knew that R2-D2 had, you know, little rocket jets in his legs. That's so true. So, these new movies could come out, and you could discover that C-3PO really does have a <laughs> missile in his chest. That's right. <laughs> Mecha C-3PO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean the the key to those pieces. I mean the ones I got, I got you know years and years ago, and they still come up on eBay. But the boxes tend to be hammered, which is unfortunate because they're black, you know, and they get dinged and whatnot, and they don't look as good. So the key to finding those is to get the decent boxes. Right. Well, that's good, and and it's um it's I I went down to to my family's house in Massachusetts. And I was looking around, and, you know, I always freak out because Ron has a shipping box from my favorite toy store, which is Mr. Big's Toyland on Moody Street in Waltham. And they would always advertise during Channel 38's Creature Double Feature, where they'd show Godzilla movies. So I've been thinking (laughs) about that. I was in my parents' basement, and I actually found this awesome poster that they must have bought at Moody's Toyland. It's for some Japanese cartoon I don't really know what it is. I'm sure uh, Alex Bickmore is jumping up and down. I haven't even said anything about it. He probably knows what it is. But um, it's like got these like weird dinosaurs that like shoot things. And anyways, it's really cool and it's all in Japanese. And uh, I don't know. It was just thinking about that. Just the the feeling of being an American kid playing with Japanese toys in 1982, and just being like. Who made this? <laughs> this brings twenty more pounds. There's twenty more things. It like attaches. It connects. It's it's just it's completely superior. Um, yeah, well, definitely. Those toys. I mean, I like weird, unique stuff. So when I first started collecting, like that was one of the first things like I honed in on was you know, oh, wow, this Japanese stuff is cool. Yeah. But you know, years, twenty years later, and it still seems like most people don't care. But you know, that's fine. That's the way things are, I guess. Right. Um, oh, and I actually, too, you, yeah, Steve, you might find this interesting. I was looking around, and I was just kind of flipping stuff over, you know, looking around, seeing what I could find. I find this baseball. I pick it up, turn it over. It's a Ted Williams autographed baseball. 
What? You're sitting in the bottom of a box. Man, how yeah. does that happen? I don't know. I I know where we bought it. I remember making my... I'm, I know I must have made my dad buy it for me. It was you know, There was a time where Ted Williams wasn't that big of a deal, you know, in the 80s or whatever. But uh, I don't remember buying it. He doesn't remember buying it for me. So maybe it's fake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that was definitely the best of the, of the base. I mean, my childhood... Uh, um, plush Chewbacca's there. So that's pretty cool, except I won't even touch it because I just look at it and it makes me sneeze. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you need to get it in some like kind of crazy safe box, some kind of... Maybe, maybe, the ball it, but, uh, is, maybe the ball isn't signed by Ted Williams, the Red Sox player, but it's Ted Williams, the man with the golden voice from a couple of years back. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be that. That's probably even better. It's yeah, the truth. I mean, that's got to be rarer than a Ted Williams, a baseball player, autograph. Yeah, he signed. He signed, he signed tons of baseballs. <laughs> yeah, no. Um. Well, let's see. I would. I think the next thing on here. Oh, you know, we should do an intro for this feature that I'm going to do. <laughs> so I'm going to do a feature that's a parody of This American Life by Ira Glass, which is an NPR TV show. And it's going to be called This Vintage Life with Skyra Glass. <laughs> so, uh, Ron and Steve, you're going to hear... This is going to be quite a story. We're going to have a story from Ron, but this is going to be a story time. Uh, this uh, Gargan Largan episode is really... Uh, it's, it's pretty nice in Gargan Largan. So let's have a listen to that. This week on This American Life, it's a story about destruction and friendship. The destruction of a priceless item and the inability to destruct a priceless friendship. We all know about the double telescoping lightsaber, about its value, but do we know the real value? someone who'd come running into your workplace with a box hoping to share something with you? We all know how evil and destructive AFA is with its policies of opening up figures and grading them. But do we know how evil it is to bring money into a friendship? I'm going to talk to Tom Quinn. He, he was the one I was talking about with the workplace. See, he works at a bank. And he and his friends, Jason and Mike, had an amazing adventure with a very happy ending and a few unexpected turns. This week on This Vintage Collector's Life, let's learn a little bit about things you want to buy and things you can't. So Tom, uh, tell us what happened. One day you were you were at work, and then and what 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 happened? My friend Jason Thomas uh, usually texts me when he sees something interesting on eBay, and I was at work one day, and he sent me an eBay link to a twelve back Luke, and I clicked on the link, and he asked me, "Is there anything unusual about the twelve back?" So it was just a normal day, and you guys were texting back, and he said, "Do you see anything?" strange about this and what, what, what did you see Tom? At first I couldn't see anything so I went to my iPad and pulled it up 
and uh, enlarged the picture of the bubble and everything looked fine but he said look look a little bit closer so I looked at the the lightsaber and it looked like it may have been a double telescoping saber look closer So he asked you to look closer, and when you did, you thought it could be a double telescoping lightsaber, which, if it was, is one of the rarest variations of any kind of Star Wars figure. It could sell for anywhere from eight to $10,000 in good condition. And here it was on eBay. How much was it going for at that point, at that auction? It was an auction type, and at the time it was only about $400. That must have been very exciting. So what what did you decide to do with your... Now, is, is Jason your friend? Yes. He and I are both members of the uh, Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club. So you guys know each other and you, and you get along. That's how you could share. That's how he could share such an amazing find. Most people would see something like this and hide it. But you guys both decided to look closer into your friendship. And, and and so what, what did you decide to do then? You both thought it could be a double telescoping lightsaber. Well, we decided that uh, we weren't sure, so we started texting our, our other friend in the collector's group named Mike. And uh, Mike also t- took a look at it, and he saw the same thing, that it might be a double telescoping. Right, so this is something that happens a lot, where you look on eBay and you think you might get a steal. You might be able to find something that no one else has found. It must have been really exciting, and yet you had to share it. Were you scared about fighting or about hurting the friendship? No, we we pretty much decided that if we were going to bid on this thing, that we'd go in on it together. Wow, so three friends doing something that could be... A source of greed and of division becomes a source of strength. So what, what wound up happening? Did you win the auction? Uh, we did. A couple of days went by and we actually got it for, I think, around $900. $900. So 300 each. At this point, you don't know if it's a double telescoping lightsaber. If you had asked, they would have looked closer themselves and maybe sold it for more. So you just had to wait. So what, what was next on this amazing adventure? Well, we had to wait for it to get shipped to us, and when it did, Jason brought it in to me at work. He hadn't even opened it yet. Now, where do you work? I work at the Adirondack Trust Company, a bank in Saratoga Springs, New York. So you're here inside of this bank, this cold world of steel and glass, and in comes this man with a brown cardboard box, and you don't know the contents, and he pops it right down in the middle of your desk. You opened it up, and what did you see? We opened it up, and it sure looked like a double telescoping loop to us. The friends have found what they're looking for. Now let's see if they can find something else after the break. This is WDGB, your NPR station for Rochester, Santa Barbara. This is Sky Rizdal. It's Pledge Drive Time at WDGB. Please pick up your phone and call. Remember, all of our funding comes from your listener dollar. Also, the government pays us a lot. And huge corporations that need tax breaks. But you are the only person who makes this possible. So please, give. 
And now back to our story. Tom Quinn. So what, what were your emotions at this point? Well, we were very excited and we wanted to share it with Mike, our good news. And then we were thinking about what are we going to do with it now? And so what, what did you decide to do? Well, the only way that we can truly probably resell it would be to get it AFA certified. So you're going to send it off to the great Satan, AFA, the people who take toys and put them in acrylic, because you know that's the only way you can maximize your profit. Now, was there any thought of actually just keeping the figure? We had talked about it, and we decided that since we all went in on it, that we were going to all sell it together. Right, or else you'd have to sort of share it and pass it around between you, and that wouldn't be much fun. So you sent it off to AFA, and what was that like? Well, Jason had sent it in, and he did rush grading on it, so it was the longest week waiting for it to come back. So even though you rushed it, it still took a week. Did you go with the standard tier? Did you go with the premium? They have different tiers of pricing. Did you go as, as fast and as expensive as you could? Oh, yes. Yeah, we were very curious to get it back. Okay, so then the, the, the time comes, and, and what happens? How did you get it? Did, was it sent to you? How did it come? Well, again, Jason got it shipped to him, and he brought it into the bank for the grand unveiling. We wanted to see what kind of grade this would get. So we're back in the Adirondack Savings and Trust, and we're there in this great big building in the middle of this cold industrial setting, surrounded by money and people thinking about money, and here's your box, and thinking inside the box... There might be the most money you could possibly make on a Star Wars collectible. Yes, that's true. And what happened when you opened the box? Sky, they had you graded our figure. Oh, no! <laughs> they, you graded your figure. They opened it up and put it into an acrylic box. We couldn't, for the life of us, figure out what happened, but they had actually removed the figure off the card back, included the card back and the bubble in the box, and you graded our figure. Before we continue with our story with Tom, let's talk about you grading one more time. AFA, the Action Figure Authority, takes a carded figure and takes that figure that's been inside of that bubble for 35 years and rips it off of its card back and puts it into an acrylic case and puts a U on it saying it's been uncirculated, never touched by human hands, except for the hand that destroyed it. So you thought you would have a carded Luke, double telescoping lightsaber figure, and instead you have tangible proof that it was a carded double telescoping figure, but it is no more. H how did that happen? Well, in our haste to send it out, we had clicked the wrong button. And, and, and so what, what, at that point, did you stop talking to Jason altogether? Did you guys just break up the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club? What, what happened then? I mean, you must have been crushed. Oh, no. That, that, we didn't blame Jason at all. I mean, he was the, the guy who actually picked this out for us. So I, I wasn't upset at all. I mean, I gave a little nervous laughter and wondered what we were going to do with it. And 
we were talking about it previously, you said that you guys came up with a name for the figure. Yeah, our little bastard. <laughs> Why did you call it our little bastard? Uh, because none of us wanted to own up to being the father of this thing. <laughs> so you text back and forth about the fate of your little bastard. What, what did you do? Where did you keep it until you could until you could figure out what to do with it? We were so disgusted that we didn't want to look at it. We just put it in a safe deposit box in my my bank. So amongst all the family jewels and all the gold coins and and whatever it is that people keep in side of the boxes, there was one ungraded double telescoping Luke Skywalker figure. Did you put the the bubble and the card back in the safety deposit box as well? No, just the figure. Uh, we took the card back and brought it home. Who who has that? Uh, Jason had that. Okay, and so then how did you finally resolve the issue? Well. We knew that we couldn't really sell it because we didn't want to own up to the fact that we had U-graded a perfectly good carded double telescoping Luke. So he just sat there for quite some time. But so so you, you were afraid? What, what were you afraid of? Well, with all the stigma with the U-grading of the figure, we didn't want anybody to think that we had either ripped it off a card or taken it out of a baggie. So it was the, not only was it a bastard because no one wanted to own it, but you were all ashamed of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I was talking to you, and I was friends with you during this time, and you never told me about your little bastard. <laughs> you never told me about your love child that you had with two other collectors. Aren't you glad I didn't? <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have tried to buy it off you. <laughs> so then is it still in the, in the safety deposit box now? Well, finally... Uh... We got our heads together, and Mike decided that he wanted to give this a home. Mike, uh, Mike had always wanted a double telescoping Luke, so we managed to work out a trade for the three of us. And so he traded. What did he trade to you? I got a beautiful vinyl, uh, vinyl cape Jawa that I had always wanted. And and is it you graded? No, no, he's loose. Mike got him in the wild. And so why was it that you traded? something that isn't you graded why didn't you want a graded jawa to make sure it was authentic well mike when he buys things he buys them in bulk and he had three vinyl cape jawa so he had a very good idea of what they should look like and i trust mike implicitly so he was able to trade it and i had full confidence in what i was getting i don't collect you graded figures I'm looking at collection. I don't see anything AFA graded. So not only are you not the kind of person who would tear a figure off of the card, but you wouldn't even want it if it was offered to you. Instead, you traded it for this beautiful, loose, vinyl cape Jawa that's rare, but that is authentic and is much more meaningful than if it was proven authentic by a grading service. That vinyl cape Jawa means a lot to me. He sits right in the front of my display case. That's beautiful, and I suppose we'd have to ask Jason what he traded his for. So, in the end, what do you feel about this whole experience? Well, lesson learned that I shouldn't try to profit by, <laughs> by sending things to AFA to be graded when I myself wouldn't buy anything like that. <laughs> Since I recorded this story, Tom has shared it with a few other friends. Our surgeon friend, Yehuda, said that if he heard it while he was operating, he would have missed with the scalpel 
because he was so mad with rage. Questions circulated. Who was at fault? Is it AFA's policy? Was it their haste in filling out the form? Are these just the things that happen? The story even gets worse. We recently found out that this was a particularly rare kind of double telescoping lightsaber. It's called a rare circle variant. And if this had survived, it would have been the only known carded circle variant double telescoping lightsaber in existence. And I guess if there's any moral to this story, it's not about not using AFA. It's that it's really good to have friends. And no matter what happens, friends stay together. This is Skyra Glass, reminding you that you don't collect things. You collect memories with people who also collect things. Alright, this is Sky. Uh, this is gonna be a two-parter. I'm looking at one hour and 40 minutes, and I don't even think we're halfway done with the show. Uh, and also, it is nearing, it is June 26th as I'm recording this, and this is technically the May episode, so I'm gonna try and get two out of this. Uh, just a quick note, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, my divorce is ending, which it is, but, uh, uh, I got the same house, but I don't, like, have any furniture, and so I've been, like, moving furniture and setting stuff up and trying to have a social life, all that kind of stuff, while teaching this online class. So I'm just busier than a hen in a peacock farm. So that's what's up. Sorry that it's taken so long, Space Freaks. You guys are great. <clears throat> one thing I can tell you, if I kept this in one piece, it would have been like a four-hour podcast. And only garbage podcasts are four hours long. Nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, since we last released, the Star Wars F UK um, came out with their podcast. And I want to give like a full review later. But um, I wanted to hate it. I wanted to think it was absolute knobshite. And it wasn't absolute knobshite. A lot of it was... Most of it was great. Some of it was opening jitters. Um, but... Uh, I have to say, they did a good job, and it's four hours, and I like long podcasts, so if you feel like you're not getting enough Kivecast, go over there and have a listen. Uh, there's especially a really good feature there about, like, British, like, supplies. I mean, like, the, you know, like, pencil sharpeners and stuff. That's really good. Uh, I will say, I did recently learn that they named the episode, uh, Eating a the eating the Wookie or chewing the Wookie, which apparently was was a knock at, at me for my my edited rant where I said I will eat a Chewbacca. I have two things to say about that. SWF UK. One, uh, do you know what I actually said? What I said was if you come up with a drop that's better than Nugget from the Archive, I will eat a Chewbacca figure. So. Because uh, someone criticized my, my sound drops. So, I, I will say, 
I did not hear a sound drop that was better. I still challenge you on that. And second of all, if you're going to make fun of a Chewbacca collector on your podcast title, why don't you spell Wookiee right, you knob shites? All right. Uh, we will... It's got two E's, you see. So, you know, it's these are little details. I mean, you add an extra U in color that's not supposed to be there. Color. So maybe it's a British thing. Maybe maybe there's only one E. Anyways, um, that is the end of my weird halfway point here. Oh, and also, good job on the World Cup. Okay. Well, now that I have both highly praised this SWF UK and insulted it, I feel like I'm doing a good job of keeping up my end of the bargain. You guys keep trying to attack us. You guys go, you space freaks, have a listen to it, uh, and look out for the next episode of the Kivecast, which I've already recorded. It's got some cool stuff. Ron tells a story. We got an interview with Joker Savage, and uh, it's basically part two of the Leia Hoth thing. All right, and I'm... Jeez. On behalf of Ron Salvatore, Matthias Randall, and Stephen B. Danley, I say, um, adios, fantastic Oogler train, Wampa Wampa! With its colorful Star Wars picture display bag and certificate.